It was going to be the trip of a lifetime, a trip many have tried but few completed, and among motorcyclists, a crowning achievement. But as the duo set off to ride the length of the Americas, little did they know that a pandemic would interrupt their journey in a foreign country, and getting back home would be an even tougher trip. I'm Adam Toy, and this is Why. I've always admired motorcycling, but from afar. And while I've dreamed of taking trips like Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman did in Long Way Round, I've never drummed up the cash or courage to make it happen. I came across a couple from southern Alberta who left on a trip to the southernmost tip of South America last year, and they've only just returned, but not in the way they originally planned. Now, as you might imagine, a certain international pandemic threw a wrench in the works. But let's start at the beginning. Behind me you see a big stone head. It's made out of granite, I believe, and it's fitting for a couple reasons. One, uh, we're filming in Canmore, Alberta, and I believe the name Canmore is Gaelic for big head. So the people who commissioned public art in this town took things very literally when they put that piece there. Meet Jeremy Craker. I want to take my motorcycle from Canmore, Alberta, where that big stone head is, all the way down to Argentina. That was Jeremy on his YouTube page in October of 2018. Ten months later, he and his girlfriend, Elle West, left Canmore to make the trip south. Now, I caught up with them a few months ago while they were in Uruguay, a country between Argentina and Brazil. Well, we're currently in Colonia, Uruguay, and we had, as I mentioned, traveled all the way down from Alberta with our motorcycles all the way to Argentina, and then we reached the southernmost point, and then we turned around and started riding back to Canada, and we made it to Buenos Aires. Uh, we spent a week there, and wow, then we yeah. took a ferry across to Colonia, Uruguay, with the intention of traveling around this country for a little bit and then moving on. And that's when uh, borders all around us began to close and hotels and hostels closed as well. So we have been basically stuck in yeah. Uruguay for the past nine weeks or so. We're going on our nine week now in the same place, mm -hmm. same 315 square feet place. <laughs> Despite the tight living quarters, Jeremy and Al have one advantage, traveling with each other for months before the lockdown in Uruguay. Um, but this is even tighter quarters and really tough for us to both find some space where we can stay sane and get along with each other. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely had um, the travels to get used to our styles and our personalities and working together to get through tough situations. It's a difficult psychological challenge because when you're riding a motorcycle every day, you're moving and you're moving and you're moving and there's new stimulus all around you and then all of a sudden you come to a full stop and you're confined to this small space. So psychologically it's a little bit difficult. I would say um, we might even be struggling with a little bit of post-trip depression even though we're still in the middle of a trip. That's a common thing for these motorcyclists to, and any traveler to deal with is once they've been on the road for a long time, you come home, you settle down, and then you kind of get the blahs. And I would say that we're experiencing that now. So Jeremy, what have you guys been doing in Uruguay? Have you been able to go out, see the sites, get to know some of your neighbors? Well, we have really been stuck right here in our apartment for the most part. We've been going grocery shopping and for little walks down to the beach where we can watch the sunset. We can do that safely without coming into contact with others. And I've been making little travel videos and posting them on my YouTube channel, including uh, COVID-19 updates and things like this. 
And also, we finally broke down and ordered online a couple of musical instruments. So I had a guitar mm -hmm. delivered, a, mm -hmm. an acoustic guitar, and Elle has a ukulele. So I'm learning ukulele. So we're keeping ourselves mm -hmm. busy that way. Um, but it is challenging to keep from letting the boredom get to you, I would say. In a way, it's kind of nice, all those things that we wanted to do on our travels that we didn't have time for. You know, all the pictures and video that you take, but you don't have time to upload and work with it. We're doing some of that. But there is some good days and some bad days. There are definitely days when I feel alone and sad and worried because I can't talk to other people here. Uh, I can't really get into touch with other humans except for online. There's a small expat community here in Uruguay I've been chatting with. Um, but mostly we're isolated. Mm -hmm. We can walk around the neighborhood, but we see the same 20 bots for the last nine weeks. That's yeah. it. We don't get to see the country that we came to see. You've got your bikes with you. Have you been able to ride around the country? It's not It's not restricted by law. It is discouraged, and we are actually considering now uh, gassing up our motorcycles in the next couple of days here and going for a little ride just around uh, within a 50-square-kilometer radius or something like this. But we don't want to be irresponsible because not only do we want to help flatten the curve of COVID-19 here in Uruguay and not be responsible for spreading it or contracting it, but also this would be an incredibly bad time to, you know, break an ankle on a motorcycle crash or something like this. Um, we've been very fortunate in our motorcycling careers mm -hmm. and so far we've escaped injury, but that is a possibility and we don't want to be irresponsible with um, our time here in Uruguay. It is hard to walk past the driveway and see the motorcycles parked every day, waiting for us. Take me back. Tell me about your trip before you had to stop in Uruguay. I left Calgary and went over to Canmore and met Jeremy, and then we started the journey together from there. Um, that was in August of 2019. Now, both Jeremy and I had traveled quite a bit on our motorcycles before. Each of us had been on our motorcycles down to Panama and back before we ever met each other and other trips as well. So we both wanted to go past Panama and make the journey all the way down to the southern tip of Argentina, to Tierra del Fuego. And the more that he and I kept dating over the time talking together about this, the more it became a journey that we would take together. So we did in August. And uh, we took our time. I mean, we had a bit of a deadline because there is a small gap in the highway between Panama and Colombia. There's no road in the Darien Gap. You have to take a boat or a plane or get around some way. So we had booked passage on a boat and we had that date to keep. Um, but we still had time to enjoy some beaches and sites along the way through Central America and Mexico. And then once we landed in Colombia in October of 2019, then we were um, both starting out on new roads that we'd never been on before and then the only deadline from that point was trying to get to the southern tip of Argentina before it got too cold so again um, winter in the southern hemisphere is when it's summer in the northern hemisphere mm -hmm. and we didn't want to get caught going through high mountain passes or really cold areas if we didn't have to but of course the more we traveled the longer it took. The more you see, the more you want to see. The more beautiful things you learn about, the more you want to spend time going to see them. So our date for arriving in Ushuaia did get pushed a few days and a week and then another week and about a month later than we originally planned, we did finally arrive in Ushuaia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for, for us, some of the highlights were all through Central America, of course, Mexico, uh, and then the rest of Central America. And one of the highlights was the ship that took us from Panama to Colombia. Like Elle said, there's a gap in the road there. 
and then we spent about a month in Colombia. And then another highlight was uh, we spent a lot of time in Peru exploring the back roads and of course we went to Machu Picchu. And then the rest of our time was basically spent in Argentina. Of course we had to skip through Chile to get to Argentina. And we spent some time in Bolivia too. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Argentina was where we spent the bulk of our time. It is a big I'm, country. It's a large country with a lot of roads, and some of it uh, was very difficult uh, for us to travel with our motorcycles. Some very windy sections with lots of thick gravel. That wind in Patagonia is infamous, and now I understand why. It's really brutal to fight that wind while you're on a motorcycle. Yeah, and then we arrived at the endpoint, and then, like you say, our, um, the Antarctic, and then we turned around on the way home and after leaving Buenos Aires in Uruguay, that's where the borders began to close up. After the break... And the whole process was 49 hours from airport to airport. Yeah, nowhere to sleep. No, like it was, yeah, it was tough flight back. Welcome back to This Is Why. We're talking with a couple from Alberta who started a motorcycle trip down to the southernmost tip of the Americas in September of 2019. Fast forward a few months and I saw on Twitter that Jeremy and Elle were waiting on their COVID-19 test results in preparation for travel. To quote Jeremy on at Jeremy underscore K-R-O-E-K-E-R, Oh my word, when they test for COVID-19, they poke that swab so deep it bonks your brain. The test came back negative, so the couple were able to return home to Canada. But like that trip down to the southernmost tip of South America, the trip back to Canada wasn't going to be easy. Because of all the restrictions from uh, various airlines, we had to end up going through Europe. So the, the most direct way to get back to Canada was to fly through Spain, then Portugal, and then Canada. Uh, because normally you would fly from Uruguay to Brazil, and then Brazil you would transfer in the States. But the States was not welcoming travelers if they had been through Brazil. And the airspace from Uruguay to Buenos Aires, for example, or Chile was not open. So we were faced with some very limited options. And Elle, do you want to talk about the testing? Yeah, there was one option where we were hoping to fly through um, Sao Paulo and then Mexico City and avoid the States. But we tried to book that one and it was already too late. So we knew the next time any option came available, we would just grab the first option we had. And so we did. And the whole process was 49 hours from airport to airport. Yeah, nowhere to sleep. <laughs> like it was, yeah, it was tough flight back. And then, Four flights altogether, three continents, crossing the Atlantic Ocean twice. But um, each country had its own requirements. So that was the tough bit, getting everything organized ahead of time. In order to go through the airport in Montevideo, Uruguay, we were told that we would need to have the app. And that was easy enough to install. And even though I'm not fluent in Spanish, it was simple enough language that I could understand. And it provided a lot of helpful info as well. But you did need to enable the Bluetooth and it would track where you were. Then we had to go to Spain. And there was a lot of online forms, a lot of hoops to jump through, a QR code that you had to download to have on your phone. And of course, it got scanned by somebody who also took our temperature every time we went to a different airport. And then Lisbon, um, we needed to have a negative test, a physical medical test and proof of that to get to Portugal. And that was only instated after we purchased our flight. So after we bought the flight home, then the person that we bought it from, the travel agent in Uruguay said, oh, new regulations, you must have a negative COVID test to enter Portugal, within. and the test must be negative within 72 hours of arriving in Portugal. But we wouldn't get to Portugal until we went to Spain first. So it was really tight to fit that 72-hour window in and still get there. And it was. 
And then Canada, of course, had their own uh, restrictions, not restrictions, they had their own um, processes to get through as well. An app you had to download and online forums to mm -hmm. fill out. And Two then, different apps for Canada. Yeah. And then the process continues. Of course, since we're in quarantine now in the middle of our 14 days, we're getting some phone calls to check up on us. And that's challenging because we don't have phones. We've been out of Canada for over a year. We don't have SIM cards. And I don't think it would be wise to break quarantine to go to the store and buy a new SIM card and get a new plan started. Not only not wise, but not legal. Yeah. So... It's really tough and we're relying a lot on family and friends to help us out, to give us a phone that someone can call and then pass the phone to us but not touch each other and Lysol the phone after and stay two meters apart and put the phone down and back away. It's sometimes funny and amusing, but sometimes it's really sad. It feels kind of like we're almost in a leper colony. Is it okay to say that? I feel like a little bit ostracized being in quarantine here. And I am really upset about it because I think that's affecting our friend who's hosting us as well. Some people have been awesome. Family and friends. My sister has helped out, made homemade brownies waiting for me as soon as I landed, which was great. And then this friend who's hosting us in his garage, completely separate living space from his home, is having some of his friends and family refuse to spend time with him or even be around him because he's hosting us, which I find really surprising. We had a negative test the day before we flew. We wore masks the entire time in airports and airplanes, even when we were sleeping. We had our temperature taken all the time. We're doing all the right things. And yet there's a lot of different reactions from different people out there. So when we last talked, it didn't seem like you two were looking at coming back anytime soon. What changed? There were a combination of things. Uh, I have to be back at work on October the 1st. And because of the flight restrictions and the limited options that were available, it felt like every time we missed a flight opportunity, there wouldn't be another one for another month. And these flight options filled up very quickly. So we felt uh, some added pressure and some urgency there. And... And I think Jeremy knew long before I did that this trip was really over. And I was dragging my feet. I was hoping that the longer we waited and stayed in Uruguay, the better chance that maybe the borders would open and we could ride all the way back to Canada. Of course, I realized more as time went on that that wasn't going to happen, but I was not even willing to look at flight options way back when Jeremy first suggested it. And right now, too, our motorcycles are being shipped home. So we have them in a container and they're on their way to Vancouver right now, and they should be arriving late September. Mm -hmm. So what have you been doing in the last few months? How's the guitar practice been going? <laughs> yeah, uh, I have been practicing my guitar, but it was a Spanish style one. So my muscle memory has to adjust to uh, my electric guitars here at home. Um, we were able to travel fairly freely in Uruguay, but it was winter there, so mm -hmm. it was a bit difficult to travel with our motorcycles. But we did some sightseeing, and in a responsible way, we visited with people, uh, always wearing, you know, the proper PPE and things like that. But Uruguay has been has been very on top of this COVID nineteen uh, pandemic, so we felt free to move about. Um, we stayed still for the first three months. We rented an Airbnb and just stayed in it and stayed at home or quedate en casa, as they would say in Spain, in Spanish. Um, but after that, the country started to open up. Um, kids started going back to school. People started going back to work. Not all places and still the borders were closed, but we felt it was a little more safe to do a little traveling. So we actually got to explore the coast a little bit. We saw some wildlife. Um, the beaches were pretty quiet and empty because it was cold and off season. And of course, during the middle of a pandemic, but we still got to see some of it and meet some people. And now I would say Uruguay feels like a second home. I mm -hmm. miss it. It was a fun where uh, L almost gets tackled by a sea lion. 
YouTube channel. Yeah. I think it's the latest COVID update, yeah, COVID number me. seven. Yeah. But yeah, we had some opportunity to really explore. And, and like Elle says, Uruguay does feel like a second home to us now because of this whole experience. And we're very grateful to the people in the mm-hmm. country. It sounds like you were able to make some friends in Uruguay. Yeah, Oddly, in the last couple months. But the first three, yeah. we were isolating and not interacting with other people at all. So after after we agreed to leave and started to make arrangements to ship our bikes and book flights, then we started to meet more people and it was hard to leave. We actually made friends with the Canadian ambassador to Uruguay, yeah. uh, Joanne. She yeah. had us over to her place mm-hmm. um, and very, you know, just like the country is kind of small and welcoming, mm-hmm. uh, so was the Canadian mission there too. So how do you think you'll look back on this whole crazy trip, you know, starting in Canada, riding through North Central and then South America, setting foot on Ushuaia, also known as the end of the world, and then having to shelter in place for months during the start of the pandemic, and then your crazy 49-hour plane trip home via Europe? Well, for me, I tend to reflect on these trips when I do um, journaling and when I write. I've written a few books about my previous trips, and I plan to start working on some more writing projects for this one as well. And that really helps me process it. So I'm not actually sure how I'll view this trip in uh, 10 years from now, but I am glad that we did go when we went, uh, as opposed to putting it off until we had more money or until Mm -hmm. we had more time. It was luck of the draw that we were able to get down to the southern tip of Argentina before COVID um, sidelined us. But, you know, it just, for me, it it makes me really think about not putting things off. And when you have an opportunity to just take it as opposed to waiting for the perfect moment. Mm-hmm. Or the perfect bike or the perfect amount of money or the perfect time, yes. And I would say that processing has barely just started for me. Um, We've got some sunshine. I'm going to try to enjoy the Alberta summer while I'm here before winter hits. And I imagine there will be some really tough days in the middle of winter when I have all these photographs to look back on and memories or, you know, seeing other people on social media planning their next journeys and thinking it's going to be who knows how long till I get to journey again. But um, along with some really fond memories, there's a desire to go back and do it again. Um, I feel like we didn't get to see half the things we wanted to. And the things that we did get to see and the people we did get to meet, I'd like to see again. If people want to follow your entire trip or connect with you online, how can they do that? Well, I'm on Twitter at Jeremy underscore Craker. And I'm also on Instagram and Elle is on Instagram. Elle on Wheels on Instagram and also on Facebook. I've got a YouTube channel. And of course, I have uh, a few motorcycle travel books out there. So check those out. Mm -hmm. This is Why is produced by me, Adam Toy, and Dave McIver. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca, and on Twitter, at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And while you're on there, give us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon.